Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. Uh, I'm Aaron Castro. You can see me at the Strobro. I'm joined by Josh Fredland. You can find him at um, Leet Speak Josh Fred and Craig Gerdelli at uh, Monday Morning Fly Half. Uh, we will be back through the entire season. Um, there are a lot of people that sort of um, love this labor of love, so I think we might be able to rotate some hosts. Um, it's going to be a long season. Um, but um, look forward to reading Josh's recaps and Craig's opinion column, which is also conveniently branded Monday Morning Fly Half. We've, we've consolidated brands here in the uh, Gridelli Rugby Enterprise. Hold, hold, hold on, Aaron. Do we need to change that to Monday uh, Monday morning uh, stand standoff or whatever it was? <laughs> Monday, oh, Monday morning standoff. Yes, Monday. <laughs> uh, bear, uh, it, you know, like uh, on Instagram, we pose, and I say we because it's like weren't just my comments. Um, but um, like, so in a press release, Old Glory. Uh, said like talked about fly halves in their press release and then on the graphic it said out half and whenever i see out half or inside well not inside half's pretty easy to figure out but out half i sort of like put them and then when i see first five eighths or five eighths or second five eighths i'm i feel really dumb and i usually have to google um and i'm just like why can't we just use standard naming conventions because that's what we do in the United States. Like we have, we, I don't know any club team I've ever been on or, okay. How's a question for all of you. Um, and for the listeners who are conveniently watching us today, thank you for joining in. Um, have uh, you been on a team in America, in, in the United States where the coach put on the team sheet out half and inside half because, and Oh, because the team sheet still said scrum half, too. I didn't say inside half. I was like, so has anyone been on a team where the coach was like, in inside half, out half? You know, I've I, never been on a team a team that used that terminology. Though I do remember uh, early on, yeah, one of the first couple of years I was playing rugby, I was describing to a girl I knew who was uh, Irish from you know, from Ireland, Irish. And uh, I was asked, she asked what position I play, and I said I played flanker because I was skinny back then. And uh, she didn't know what position that was. And we went through the positions, and it turned out that she only knew that position as wing forward. Uh, so that was, I, yeah, I never had that on a team, but that was my first experience of a completely different vernacular to describe the positions. Yeah, it's 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 sort of strange. I, I don't, you know. I think, um, especially when you do like direct translations from like French or Spanish, um, they, like they don't really match up. Uh, like uh, fly half. Uh, Craig uh, learned this the this yes. week. El um, So thank you, Victor, who's not here tonight, but. Um, but uh, one of the cool things is that we at the EOD Enterprise uh, run uh, or with, um, I guess, the host of On La Mele, um, 
uh, former co-host of this show. Not that he's not a co-host or not a part of the family. It's that I, he literally is running a Spanish language only podcast and I love it. I love that we are like the only, <laughs> we literally have the only Spanish language rugby podcast, um, at least in North America, which is pretty cool. Um, and they're on their 48th episode. Check them out on the melee. Um, give them some love. Um, they've been, he's been grind, especially like with COVID uh, stuff. I would say they've been more consistent than we have. Um, and, but he's just been grinding and getting the interesting content out. So, um, and I'm really appreciative of what he's done there, but Moving on to, I guess, sort of adjacent news. Nate Ebner is, uh, I don't think he's still signed to the Giants, but he is going back to Chula Vista, and he is going to train full-time with uh, U.S. Men's Sevens in order to hopefully uh, earn a ticket to Tokyo on the 13th. Uh, the interesting part about um, the 13th man uh, in the Olympics is that, um, like – the 13th guy has to like stay in sort of an isolated or it, obviously this is pandemic time. So it's a little bit different, but the 13th person has to stay in like a separate sort of village. And so you have like all these alternates for events that have to like stay like fit that go, but they don't stay in the main Olympic village unless they get called up. So I, I, I remember listening to, um, this uh, podcast with Michaela Blyde on it. And she made the 13 for the Blackburn sevens in the uh, 2016 Rio, but she was number 13. So she didn't get to stay in the Olympic village. I've heard this is pretty fun, uh, pretty fun to stay at uh, sporting events. So, so that's, that, that's just kind of funny. So if he makes, if he's, if Nate Edwards is number 13, he's going to Tokyo and hanging out in a hotel and, until someone gets injured, which sucks. Yeah. But um, and then the other interesting news this week yeah, there was there's a lot. so much news. Um, I mean, if you just want to talk about um, for a second, how much news there is this week, and there's probably more rugby news I think this week than we've had in at least yeah, a year. yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Um, the biggest one, I mean, CJ Stander is retiring at thirty, which um, I thought was interesting. Um, I thought I, I read his post and I thought I was like, all right, but um, the one thing where he goes, I, I never thought of myself as a foreigner in an Irish shirt, but then at the end talked about, but or but basically said, we're going to leave and move back to South Africa um, to raise my, my daughter. And I'm like, so you're not, you, you didn't adopt Ireland. I, I'm lost here. That's just me. Like when a person comes, it's coming to the United States so that they can gain residency in order to be able to play for the, the national team. I would, it is sort of my expectation that they become American, you know? Um, but that's just me. Yeah. Hey, whatever. You know? I mean, it's, it's a guy's retirement. He's had yeah. Um, great player that. though. Like I, I am surprised um, because his form and I know he said in his statement that he wanted to retire sort of at the top of the game and at, you know, when he could still walk and all that stuff. Like he wanted to be playing good rugby while, um, 
when he retired. And he is playing great rugby, and that's that's why I'm surprised, really. But um, you know, fair play to him. Fifty caps, and he'll I think he'll get one more. Yeah, one more this weekend. So he will officially retire at fifty-one caps for for Ireland. And well, he did say in his statement he would be available this summer. Yeah. Well, I yeah. thought he said he was available for the oh the mid year. Well, okay, so we're we're at beginning of year. Never mind. Got it. I feel stupid. So he'll be done with his monster contract, and then he'll finish with Ireland this summer. So fifty-four, fifty-five. I don't know. It's going to be a weird test season in the summer. We might go to um, to England to play the Lions, South Africa, and England. I'm not really. I, I don't really think those are going to happen. That's just me. But if they do, it'll actually be great. I just, uh, you know, for the first time where you get to play South Africa and England in the same freaking year, you're not going to get a chance to monetize and use those events here. Just kind of like. That's where I'm, my personal thing is like I don't really care if they kind of happen because they're not being played here and they're going to be on Flow Rugby. So, yeah, straight up, they are on. They're going to be on Flow Rugby. I mean, I think yeah. they're so. For, if you haven't followed the news, it leaked. Well, Gary Gold allegedly told I think it was Rugby Pass, right? The uh, that the USA will be playing uh, South Africa and England this summer. Uh, potentially in the UK, depending on where the Lions tour ends up happening. Um, then there was a leaked schedule, which is unconfirmed, but in that schedule it shows the USA playing uh, the Lions, the, the British-Irish Lions and South Africa, and then it wasn't on the schedule, presumably England as well. Um, so that, that's the news story. Uh, look, I, I think there's there's a number of ways to measure and value international tests monetizing it of course is one you know if we're not gonna be able to make money off it that's a bummer but uh, there's also other really good benefits of it like of course the experience I mean, we always complain about the usa not getting tier one tests you'd be able to play south africa british irish lions in england in a one summer period that's i mean is that as many tier one tests as we've had in the last four years or something and that the experience yeah. of that is still mm -hmm. great my biggest issue is whenever we go to Europe, we lose money, period. So I – and this yeah. is an issue with Tier 2 nations accepting contracts to play Tier 1 nations in Europe. And quite often and more often than not, you are – you get the opportunity to play that team, but you don't get anything out of it monetarily, not even to the point where you offset your costs. Like yeah. every time we go to Europe, it costs us money. So um, like it's one thing if we're playing Romania and we have to pay our own way or playing Samoa and we have to pay our own way. I can get, I can understand that. But the idea that when tier one nations come over here, they demand a million dollars or a million five to play us. It, it significantly eats into our ability to earn a dollar off off the test but then we go to them they sell out their stadium and we get a zero yeah i get it that's and my that's my problem be, that's my sort of problem with and and i think and this is where world rugby could exert some influence when it comes to calendars but it requires the tier one nations to vote on this but or just to like to just do it 
And if you're going to play a cream puff, which is essentially what we are right now, and the Blue Bloods are the Tier 1 nations, you need to pay because that is what we do over here. If you, because that's like you're not bringing Samoa in to be nice, you know, into Twickenham. You're you're bringing them in there as a bye week, like straight up. That's why you know Alabama brings in South Alabama. You know, um, you want it's like basically a controlled scrimmage for them, but it's a great opportunity for them to play this level of team and it will be a great opportunity for us to play, but we are a good bit away from being able to compete with the British and Irish Lions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, of course, and and USA rugby has proven uh, that it is, that it's financial judgment is questionable. Uh, So hopefully they've negotiated something at least decent. Um, I maybe mean, I don't think we have information to judge that. I mean, to whatever it costs us, we can recoup the cost via some type of match fee. I don't, I want it to be a cost neutral event. If we can get it to be a cost neutral event, that's that's progress, as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, and, so you also have to think of the downside for MLR, especially this year, since it's going to happen in the middle of the season if those quarantine rules are still in effect. <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> uh, you know, uh, good to see John Wayne Cullen uh, in the chat. Uh, yeah, I, you know, this, this is one reason why I'm kind of annoyed. Um, not, I mean, MLR set the schedule and USA Rugby had no match contracts in place. So this is where I'm like, Club, this is where you create a club versus country divide. This is where you get a France sort of situation. And for me, I mean, disclosure, I I do work for MLR. But in general, for just a perspective, Eagles haven't played in forever. And Canada hasn't played in forever. And the only two matches that we need to be worried about is a two-match qualifier and uh, that we have to play against them in August and September. And from what I'm told, Canada ain't going to England either. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I do think if we do go, uh, it's going to be a struggle because a lot of players will come out of MLR. I know um, Craig has written about the fact that only 13 players from MLR uh, we're in the World Cup side. I did look at a three deep the other day. If you go every position out to three deep, um, it's mostly MLR players. Um, we do have a good amount of players in Europe, but it's like they may start, but the squad of 30 is is made up of MLR players. And then you have 10 guys that play in Europe that probably will get selected. Um, so I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I will, they will be bad. Watch these games. They, 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 based on the, if you believe the league schedule anyway, they should be back for the playoffs, anyone who, who goes overseas. Um, so, I mean, look, at, you know, obviously that's an awkward thing, especially in the U.S. We're not used to that kind of uh, – mid-season separation. Obviously, it's also common in Europe and elsewhere for rugby players to leave their club sides for international windows. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate. I, I just don't see any way that we were going to pass up the chance to have that test schedule. Um, I think there's a way for this to be equitable. And that is the national team staff working well with MLR staffs um, about which players do get selected so that you're not rating New York for five players. You're not rating San Diego for five players. You might take two or three, but not five, six, or seven. Um, Because there are some teams where like five guys that played at the World Cup were – on the MLR team. So I, I, there is a way to make this work. It's just a question of what happened. I think, I, I think the national team staff has been very good working with MLR. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. It's just the, the general sense of, you know, USA rugby didn't have match contracts in place um, and didn't communicate to the league. At least that's my perception. I don't really know. Um be, I, I'm just reading the tea leaves of the articles written and stuff. Um, this isn't some like I have some memos or anything. I'm just, I'm just, you know, looking at stuff on the internet like anyone else. Um, so uh, yeah, the other thing I found great—I mean, it's great for rugby—is the the women's fifteen initiative, which is going to cr- basically create a world type league um, using qualifying tournaments. The, the really exciting thing is that we're going to get three high – is it – I don't know if it's going to be three or if it's going to be six um, with the way it's arrayed. We're either going to get three matches in a tournament with the likes of the Black Ferns, the Wallaroos, and uh, the, I don't know what Can- their actual nickname is, but like Rouge Feminine. Oh, would be yeah. uh, if you did it in uh, if you did it in French, but in Canada. So I don't know if we're only getting today. I don't know if we're getting um, three matches because that wasn't really clear. Um, but um, we are going to get at least three high quality matches in a pseudo rugby championship style um, starting in 2022, which is very helpful, especially when I think about it. We're going to be coming off because the World Rugby World Cup for Women has been postponed to 2022. So that means um, we're going to have preparation matches for the World Cup. And we will also have matches in 2023, which has been a problem for the U.S. women um, for a while in that, um, you know, it's just been – like every time we come off a of World Cup and you saw this this last time, we didn't we didn't get any test matches for a while. Like we didn't get so 2017, we didn't get a test match until the Super Series in 2019. Like that has been the case just because um, I was listening to the Tryhards podcast with Nolly Waterman and Laura Jane Jones, which is a British-based women's podcast, and one of the things that they noticed noted is that. Most nations um, that go play England, England pays if they're not continental based. So if they're not in the six nations themselves, England pays for them to come over Um, for the black ferns. If they're playing someone that's not Australia or not England, they're paying, they're paying the team to come or France. So France pays their own expenses. So when, I didn't know this at all. 
Um, and this happened a couple of years ago where um, Australia, Rugby Australia was trying to do um, a series with the Irish women while the Irish men toured Australia. And they offered to pay the entire expenses of the women's tour for, for a three-match tour. And the IRFU was like, nah, we're, eh, we're, we're good. We're, we're not even going to take them. So that's sort of like the funding issues you have in the women's game, even at the tier one level, where tier one unions aren't necessarily interested in um, funding their, their teams. Like Because of just where the women's game has been in the United States, we've been able to stay at the top. But if you look at France, if you look at England, if you look at New Zealand, the structures are going in place where there is professional contracts, at least at the national team level, and part-time contracts in the club game, or the club game is really high quality. Like the club game is completely amateur in New Zealand, but they have a provincial competition that is effectively professional as far as environment is concerned in the Farrah Palmer Cup. Um, and then you have contracts starting to be handed out in the um, Elite One in France and then uh, in the Premier 15s in England. So the the gaps the gap is going to start to get big. And one of the things that's going to help us to maintain that space is um, is our NCAA system. But, you know, it's World Rugby is going to fund this program for the first two years with eight and a half million dollars, um, which is which is going to that's going to be huge, you know, for for the women's game. Um, the, the issue yeah. that I sort of had was the funding, not not with this, but the funding that they promised for preparatory matches for the Rugby World Cup because three teams aren't even qualified. And I would say outside of the Six Nations um, teams, no one has played a game in a long time. So um, I, I think that number is a bit low. But, um, yeah, uh, moving on to MLR. Uh, We've got, geez, um, a lot of news today, um, or the last couple of days. Today is the MLR app. It's been launched via, it is on um, Google Play for Android and the App Store for Apple. Um, I know a lot of people have been clamoring for player stats. Well, I don't think they'll be in real time, but they will be updated um, by, at least by the next round, probably by midweek, um, to where you will have player stats for the entire um, for the entire league, which is pretty dope. Oh my god, insane! Um, I mean, the, the progress. I, I mean, I feel like we people like us, you know, sitting here as you know fans and podcasters that cover MLR, and a lot of times we talk about things like, okay, MLR as a business, as a as an institution, is doing the right things to become commercially viable. And I feel like so often we we are put in a place to wonder if the, if it is you know are they doing the right things? And I feel like this week and this app and other stories we'll get to soon. I mean, these are such home runs to me in terms of of taking those steps to become a legitimate you know presenting the face of a legitimate commercially viable entity to a country where you know, for non diehard rugby fans, they're probably questioning whether that is something that's commercially viable. And when you say 
what are the stats of these players? Oh, you can't get them. They're, they don't exist. That's the type of thing that turns off, I think, a casual fan who's considering following MLR. Uh, but, you know, this app, the stats, uh, I mean, everything about the app that is in there, up, accurate, updated rosters. Uh, I mean, all that stuff, I think, is a huge step forward for getting American fans to take it seriously and you know be ready to engage. Uh, I guess question for me, maybe some other people have had this. I know we had the leaders on the website, I want to say the past couple of seasons. Is it going to be the same stats or is it going to be like more in-depth? No, you're getting the play. No, I'm talking like real player stats are going to be in, in depth. It's just, I don't know if you're going to have like a leaders thing, but it's going to be like, you click on the player and it's going to tell you stats. I don't know if the website is going to be different at this time, but the the stats upload will at least hit mobile. Okay. Um, so, which is great. Like it's yeah, it's pretty legit. Fantastic. Um, um, uh, so that was as far as you know, app is concerned. One of the things in sports marketing they talk about, especially today, is think mobile first. And I think when it comes to the website, the website from the moment it was launched was had a mobile had a mobile mobile version so you weren't like scrolling really weirdly um and then i know people have been clamoring about apps but apps are expensive guys it's not like if you want it done right it's gonna be expensive if you yeah, want it done believe not it. right well it don't it have seems to be like expensive I mean, it seems like they shelled out to do it right based on, I mean, right now it's glitching on my phone, but I mean, they generally for like the hour or so that works perfectly. I mean, it looks like they did go out. You look at something like Super Brew, for example, which is a popular app that I use all the time, but, you know, just from a user interface and user experience, I mean, the MLR app looks like it's going to be great. Um, I mean, it looks as professional as any league app I've seen. So um, moving to the next app is the Rugby Network. And um, George Kilbrew said on MLR Kickoff, which will be out tomorrow, um, which uh, disclosure I work on. Um, I'm not a personality, though. That's why I'm over here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, uh, personality when you, when you jump in there for a comment every once in a while. <laughs> but, um, uh, he said during press availability, which he had with, a, a lot of, I guess, the rugby press and the sports business press that were able to make the call yesterday. Um, owning your own platform. Um, it's really important. Um, it, it puts you sort of in line with the rest of the major leagues um, for over-the-top uh, streaming and such. And he was pretty frank in the fact that, you know, with ESPN Plus, uh, MLR was basically a client and um, we were paying, the league was paying to for specific broadcast standards. And even though, you know, we were putting out a product, there was no back-end marketing such as just simple scores on the website, uh, on the rugby tab. And there was also the fixture list would never be um, live and you would never see the fixtures come live until like – sometimes right before game time. So like there, there were a lot of complaints on the league side for how much money you were investing to meet a specific broadcast standard so that it could go on the platform. So it's like, if you own your own platform, you own the data. 
And data is very important because you can package that and then sell that to sponsors and gain new sponsorships. Um, and um, they've also made it free, which is kind of insane. But I'm I'm down. <laughs> I'm up for that, man. Like free rugby, you're gonna get sixty percent of the games for free. Yeah, yeah. Not counting the ones you get for free on CBS or Fox Sports, depending on your you know, your existing. I mean, I guess you're paying for cable. If you're if you're yeah. count if you're if you're cons- completely free, where you don't have to pay for anything, the rugby network is you just need to pay for your internet. That's it. Yeah, and your phone. No, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's incredible, incredible. Uh, I think it's such an exciting announcement and another app that looks extremely professional. It's already chock full of content, uh, even as highlights from last year. I mean, it, it's got a lot of stuff on it already, uh, and I am I am super excited. Uh, make an Apple TV app. They don't have that yet, but uh, I mean, otherwise. I, I, so, so I've been told uh, via di- direct message <laughs> on the Twitter that the Roku app and the Apple TV app should be live for Saturday. Should be live. <sighs> Yes. Should be live. Now, as we all know, rolling things out can get glitchy. So if you have a television and you want to watch it on the big screen, get your computer and an HDMI cable and, you know, do it the old fashioned way. Or Chromecast it. Yeah, I get airplay it, I guess, but uh, suboptimal. I, I like to have all my devices free and the TV going. That's how you get high quality Monday morning fly half content. <laughs> No, I, actually, the app, the app is a very good thing, especially, as you mentioned, the 60, 60% of the games are going to be free to watch. And especially here in America, where, as we all know, most rugby before now has been behind a paywall, whether it was uh, the Rugby Channel, um, Flow, or NBC Sports. You can now show this to your friends, like, hey, watch this game with me. Or, like, <laughs> go to your bar, see if they have the local rugby bar, see if they'll throw it on and you could invite your friends and be like, hey, come have a drink with me. Come, let me explain the sport to you. I'll pay for everything. You don't have to pay for shit. So, yeah. So I'm going to try, since I'm stuck on my couch on Saturday and Sunday with rugby all year long, (laughs) for the friends that, I guess I get it, COVID world, friends that feel comfortable coming to my home, I will give them the break out some chairs and I'm going to try and teach people about rugby um, in my sort of local friend group. Um, I like it. In fact, I had Hashtag someone, the game. I had someone um, commit to doing it on sat this Saturday. So, uh, you know, we're going to have all six MLR games on. It's going to be great. <laughs> I like it. I, I told my, we're moving. I'm moving. Uh, Next weekend, so you have only two more podcasts with this background, and then you're gonna have a new one. Gonna um, have all your army stuff in the back, like me? No, nah, I think I'm gonna. Have, have you seen a way back over here? Uh, it's my like. It's almost. It's like an army when you change units and they give you those plaques. This oh, is yeah. like my rugby retirement. Uh, oh yeah, war. yeah. Oh yeah, that thing's that thing's great. Yeah, love. Uh, I remember seeing that. So that that'll um, be there, but. Uh, 
yeah, I'm, I've already told my friends uh, in the new house that uh, we're going to start a new tradition. They don't follow rugby, but uh, Six Nations every Saturday, Sunday morning at Six Nations, I'll, I'll be hosting an early morning drinking. Uh, so, looking awesome. forward to that. Excellent. Just have some some fried chicken and waffles. Pre baked excuse to get together. Always good. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, COVID, I, I, so there was a bar that had um, the, that I go to. Uh, that they make the greatest fried chicken sandwich. Um, but they bought the rugby pass last year. And uh, uh, how dare you? How dare you, Nicholas? How dare you? Well, actually, in general, <laughs> I'm an army vet. Um, but, uh, and you've got two army vets on the show, and you're yeah. just, ugh. But, um, and, uh, you know, it's like, so they had the pub pass, and I was going to go there, but I found out they had the pub pass. I was going to go there for Six Nations, the final round last year, or in, in 2020, and, well, everything just shut down. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have two questions, though, from, from what Josh just said. Uh, one, and this is kind of also about what you're talking about, um, Aaron, which is with the app format of the rugby network, and I don't even know if this is the case here, but have bar have sports bars generally taken on the technological capability to play apps? Like it's not gonna be a terrestrial channel. So like, a lot so so I've noticed, at least here, I, I I understand televisions is an expensive endeavor for bars. Um I've noticed here a lot of uh, bars have smart televisions. So that has, uh, because now the only way to get a, even a, cl- a bar license for the UFC is the professional license of the ESPN plus app. Hmm. So the, yeah, the only way to watch a UFC fight is having an ESPN plus subscription. So in, in fact, like ESPN the way this got packaged when they did that deal, they made a ton of money because you no longer bought the business license pay-per-view from your cable provider. You bought the business license from ESPN. Um, those are, I know those are a lot. All right, so that's good. So that was question one. And question two is I, I do love the new app and I think it's super cool. I like the coloring and everything. Obviously, obviously, whoever um, designed the the colors around it was in has has just Gave you looked at one. what's in my hand <laughs> for the past four years, and they've it's seen this behind this fluo green water bottle. Uh, While well, I love the Rugby Network branding, was it necessary to sound almost exactly like the Rugby Channel? Uh, you know, the disaster <laughs> yeah. Are they trying no to confuse people? I, like, did they go, hey, maybe something that sounds a little different than this disastrous experiment from which we have still not recovered. Uh, so I think, you know, kudos to the bravery to, to I mean, do you like got, that. So I guess when it comes to branding, you gotta, you gotta say what it is, right? And it's gotta make sense. Like, you can't call it something else and hope people find it. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. So, so I, I guess I have to ask, and based on the name, is there plans to expand what is offered on the Rugby Network? Or if not, 
would it have made more sense to go with something like MLR TV or Major League Rugby TV or something like that? I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of content on there if you go on. If you go, if you've already gone on there, there's like tons of documentaries that Rugby passes down. One of them being on the Barbarians. In fact, that's the one that when you go onto RugbyNetwork.com, that's the first. It just starts playing. Like you, you just have the Barbarians uh, documentary just starts playing, which. I watched about five minutes of it. I was just trying to find some other stuff on there just to see how it worked because on the, the, the weirdo tech side of me is like, you know, maybe, um, you know, like people are talking about how apps are built and like, well, let's see if the website breaks, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think they should have gone with calling it not the rugby channel. Not the rugby channel. Um, all right. Um, so for the first time in, I don't know, I, I know the press release said 65 years, but I couldn't find um, any pictures of the last rugby game played in the Coliseum. But I found some other pictures that were from like the 30s. So um, at least pictures, picture wise, um, the last rugby game to be played that was evidence exists of the last rugby game to be played in the Coliseum was in the 1930s. Uh, and that was when UCLA and USC were playing uh, in the Coliseum. So I found some pictures of that. So I'm going to use those for Twitter on Saturday because it's pretty cool that um, there's going to be rugby playing in the Coliseum again. You, right? you, want, you want to send one of those my way so I can use it for my preview article? Yeah, I'll send it. I, I will. Um, and then, um, yeah, let's get into some games. Um, so DC versus NOLA. Right now is the first game up. It's at 4 p.m. Eastern. That is going to be on FS2. Um, what do you guys think? I, I think it's going to be a repeat of last year. It's just going to be pure domination by Nola. Because uh, they, think... they're starting, what, their entire starting front row is gone from last year? Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you can't. Uh, they put on like 44 points or something on DC uh, last year. Uh, in the first game, or what it was the second game? I don't know. It put, they, 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 they mounted their horses, and they ran shod on DC. And uh, you know, this, the beast did not look good. Or did the beast well, didn't play in that game? Yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't there he didn't play in the game. But he, there were some games the beast did not look good. But there were some games where even though the beast did not look good, he was the only reason their scrum held up. So you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so without the beast. Because I think there was a visa delay, um, and then he showed up, and it was all good. Uh, but I think it's yeah, I think it's gonna be similar. Um, especially um, DC issue, they put out their uh, their 2020 old glory team or 2021 old glory team, and there was only 36 players on it, and none of the front rowers from last year are left. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so they basically but I mean, did. who wants to retain the front row from last year when the scrub? Well, I mean, if you read some of the comments, if you read some of the comments, um, they're like, well, the beast trained all those dudes, and there is some utility in the fact that the beast did work with that front row and they did get better over time. So, like, there was a lot of coaching going on in the forward pack, especially with the locks. I thought the locks got better with what they did. Um, as a team, I just um, I think the the pack is too the pack is too different up front 
so you, so you don't know. And they haven't – they had three preseason games get canceled on them because of COVID scares, not even a contact tracing. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But I, I think with how much time NOLA has had to prepare, um, all of their players came in before Christmas. So they – basically started a little bit earlier than some other teams, but they also had a lot of their roster returning. So I think, I just think it's probably, you know, Nola, it's Nola's game to, to win really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think Nola's going to win. I, I'm very high in Nola this year. Uh, I think they've, they've just been so very low New York. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> you must've read my article. Uh, you know, um, yeah, very high Nola though, and uh, but I, I think you guys aren't giving Oglory enough credit in my mind. I think, I think last year, even though they lost that first game, they had a very competitive expansion season. I think they, yeah, beat. well, no, like I would say that last year they had the best halfback pairing in the league. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna and say. The, and the, both of those guys returned. Like this, yeah. I would say from the back row. To the fullback, that team is loaded. Right. And Noah's like, not exactly I, the team that I I'm just like sort of concerned about using. the set piece, really. Yeah, and Nola's set piece is always pretty good. So I think Nola's set piece is solid, but they're not like a team that where you, you worry they're gonna come scrum you off the pitch. Um, they're also in my mind a back, you know, a back oriented attack. Um, I mean, I, th- I think Noel's going to win, but I think it's going to be close. So, yeah, I'm doing scores, but uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to say I mean, Nola. We've got the 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 earful of dirt picks league is back online. So if you're not in that, um, it's it's should be public. I'll post it on Twitter tomorrow. I, I may change my mind before I put my official pick in on Superbrew for the for the margin. But I'm, I'm going to pick Nola. I'm sure on Superbrew. I definitely. So one thing I did with Dan and Pete was uh, I'm. Like still keeping track of their picks on the show, but their official picks on Superbrew since Dan used to always change his for the USA Rugby sort of picks <laughs> thing. Um, I said like your official picks on Superbrew will be your official picks on Superbrew, so that it's fair because everyone listening to the show will be able to glean your insight and then pick on rosters. So I'm not going to hold you to what you said on the show without seeing a roster. So. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that mindset. So with that with that said, I'm gonna say uh Nola by six. All right. Not I, I, I have no idea. I, I think I, I, I put I put in my picks in Superbrew. I don't remember. I wanna say I took Nola by that as well. So um yeah. Um moving on to uh the roosters. Uh, Rugby United New York travel to Vegas. Um, it's always interesting because they're in Vegas and not in San Diego, but they will play the SD Legion. Um, this is very interesting for the simple fact that um, due to a variety of reasons, Greg McWilliams had to withdraw from Rugby United New York to take care of his family. Um, Greg's a great guy. I love him to death. Um, OP and Sarah, they will um, pick up and, you know, when things change, he will be a coach in this league again. Um, he's just got to take care of his family situation. That's the reality. And then Rob Hoadley was 
like quit, fired, resigned. I don't know. It was weird. Um, that statement was strange when it came out, but basically it said he resigned. Um, but he was winning his coach in Major League Rugby at that point by a long shot. And, uh, you know, they were 5-0, and um, and it was what it was, really. But um, they keep Zach Test and Scott Murray and elevate them to co-head coaches with Eddie Jones as a consultant, um, you know, just looking at their stuff and, you know, helping them with systems. Um, obviously not helping right now because he's uh, coaching a team in the Six Nations, but I'm sure as the season goes on, they'll be trading a lot of emails um, because Eddie is that kind of guy. But um, I don't know. Like, this is where, like, I mean, uh, I like a lot of the players on both teams. Um, I, I, I'm just struggling with the whole picking stuff. I want to say – I'm just gonna go with. I'm just gonna go with Joe Peter. I'm just gonna trust. I just trust in Joe Peterson. That's. I'm gonna trust in Joe Peterson, and they're gonna win by four. Yeah, if you're gonna gonna repeat your Super Brew uh, World Championship of a couple years ago, you're gonna have to. (laughs) I just want to point out that I was in 2019. Uh, you know, when somehow we didn't get it, when Earful of Dirt as an enterprise didn't get included into that USA Rugby Picks thing, because there was like eight people picking games. So I was like, how did none of this crew get on that? Like, come on. Um, I I beat 3,000 people in um, MLR Pick'em. And it's not like I was picking earlier or knew anything different. I was picking like the day of when rosters were, you know, when rosters were out at least like 24 hours or well, some rosters were out for you to look at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think, look, I don't like, I remember last year when Rooney started the season and a road trip to Las Vegas and it was not a pretty sight. Uh, you know, they got trounced by new England um, and new England, you know, for the rest of the year didn't look particularly impressive. So, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned, I think cha- coaching changeover two weeks before the season or whatever it was, um, you know, new, you know, changing halfbacks. Uh, I just, I'm a little concerned about New York's start here. Also, obviously, they're a Northeast team, so difficult to practice in the weather. Um, so I, I pick San Diego for this. most of their practice was just shoveling snow. Let's just, let's just, let's just be real about it. They shoveled a lot of snow, so they will be strong. They will be yeah, strong. They'll be strong. Just but will they have a dirt? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say San Diego by three. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but has Rooney beaten San Diego at all? Ever? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did? Oh, yeah, they did. In that, um, they did that game last year, and then um, – Everyone talks about like how close it was in that playoff game. I mean, it was pretty close. Like both games, both of those games were close. I mean, SD shouldn't have. I I don't think San Diego should have lost that first game. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of embarrassing. Um, if you watch the way it just sort of fell apart. Um, and then they held on in the playoffs. Um, so good for them. Um, yeah. So SD. So SD is like one and one. Right or no, two and one. Two and one against. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, Aaron. I don't. I don't think they should have lost that game either. And I mean, until, until they show me any different, I'm, San Diego is just going to be my pick. I'm 
taking them by five just because of the changes. We don't know what's going to happen, but I still think San Diego is going to win. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is where we I sort of teased about pictures. And so first game back in Coliseum, at least in 65 years, maybe 80 years or 90 years. Now I do the math. Um, New England Free Jacks traveling to Los Angeles um, against the L.A. Guillotinis. Uh, I was peeking on some Instagram today. Billy Meeks, DTH Vandermeer, some AAC, some Geets. Um, they, they went down to the Coliseum to walk around. You know, because one of the things you need to like, one of, like one of the things that you just need to know is like what your ground feels like. And they, people talk like Tom Brady, like part of Tom Brady's process is to walk the entire field before warmups. So it's the first time that they've been in, in the Coliseum. So although it's a home stadium and I think they will, I don't think they'll have fans this week, but going forward, they will have fans and they can have up to 20% of the venue. And guess what? That's what 20% of the venue is for uh, a Coliseum. It's like 14,000. 14,000. So, um, you know, they could, they could set the club record in America this year. Like, I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, just get, all the, I, just get all the Aussie fans over. I, I don't know about this one. This is, this one's also hard. The Giltinis went to Maui for three and a half weeks and then trained out of our training out of Oxnard right now. And then will eventually move to uh, El Segundo um, on their bye week I, after watching them play against the Gilgronis, I wonder if this is going to be a high-scoring game, especially the way Ryan Martin likes to play. He talks about controlled chaos, but he talks about, like, you know, playing pinball. Like, the dude is going to – they're going to kick a lot, but not in the way that I hate. They're they're going to put the ball down in play and basically use the, the kick as, like, a quarterback and try to get downfield and score points. So this could be – not that it could get ugly, but it could get entertaining. Um, like this could be some like 40, 40 type game. Um, really the, the only issue is, uh, that the free jacks have been training in the cold. They do have, they've been training in a bubble, so they've been using the field, but they haven't been, they really haven't been outside. So, uh, you know, I would, I would say a push, but probably Giltini's by four. Yeah, I, I you know, if you, anyone else who didn't read my my article from this week knows I'm generally pro-East and short on the Giltini's for the year, but I, I do think New England is going to have some issues. Just, you know, tag leader is pursuing a NFL kicking career. Um, you know, when he was one of their, you know, two or three headline players in my mind, they were not having a great year last year other than the New York win. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough to go cross country and win here for New England. So I'm going to say Giltini's by 10. You know, maybe, maybe I, I need to start paying a lot more attention than I do. Um, I had thought New England, my personal thought coming into this season was New England was going to be my surprise pick in the East. <laughs> okay. So, I, so, I'm not 
they've replaced Tag with a guy named Harrison Boyle. He's six foot four. He's a Kiwi and he has a U.S. passport. And he played for Ryan Martin at Otago. He is called, I think he's called the Red, the Red Ghost. Um, he was called the Red Ghost at um at Otago because he was quiet, but I guess Ryan Martin has taken a stick and beat him a lot, and now he talks. So, but his nickname is the Red Ghost. And this guy is he can throw the ball around, man. So I mm, it's it's interesting. I think we if if everyone's been worried about tens that are US qualified and getting tens into the national team, I mean he's young, I think he's 21. So if he plays like some of the Otago film I've seen, he's really good. Like, so we'll see. And then like like I said, I mean I had New England as my surprise pick of the year. I actually have them winning by eight. Oh, there you go. There you go. All the same picks, Josh. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to the Atlanta Arrows at the Atlanta <laughs> at the Rugby ATL. Uh, you know, have they left Canada yet? Uh, they should arrive. They leave tomorrow, and then they will stay in Atlanta for the duration, or at least until the border opens. So. Um, if they can't have fans in Canada, as far as I can tell, they're not going to play in Canada, um, based on the conversations I had with Chris Silverthorne. Um, and it's just the, it's not really about fans as much as it is about the border issue. Um, you know, I just like the consistency of Toronto. Like I was probably, if you wanted to peg me as a fan of somebody, it's probably a fan of like Dan Moore. Um, you know. Back in back in 2019, like Dan's a really good guy. Uh, talked to got to chat with Lucas Rumball. Uh, two really young captains um, in Lucas Rumball and uh, Ben Lasage for uh, for Toronto. But they have a big time core that has been together for a very long time through the Ontario Blues, that then sort of became the Ontario Arrows, that then became the Toronto Arrows, and they've just been consistent. Like they just. They're just like a – there's like a beaver. Just, um, just do their routine. They build their dam, chop down some trees, and, uh, yeah. I think – yeah, I'm going to have to go with them. Jamie McKenzie is out, though, so that's, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, I want to say yeah. Toronto by two. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I do like Toronto as well, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I love Dan Moore. Dan Moore's retired. Uh, you know, Sam Malcolm, their fly half is left. They're perpetually on the road, and and well, they didn't. Ha- he was not the fly half last year. He was the fullback. Uh, Fifteen, yeah, but uh, um, they, they, you know, two years ago they also started their season on the road, and they started the season like two and five or something. Uh, so I, I think ATL is going to have a good year. I think their expansion generate their home. Um, so I'm actually going to take uh, – I'm going to take rugby ATL. Uh, I'll say rug, or, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta by one. So, I mean, they could do it. They could do it for sure. I mean, they've got their two South African locks back. Um, like, they've got most of their core back. I love, yeah. I love Momsen. <laughs> 
for me, the East kind of runs through Toronto. Um, I think Nola's right below them, but I think the East, if you, if you want to win the East, you have to go through Toronto. Um, they are on the road, so that is, to me, I like. I know they've started on the road a lot, but now they got to get used to new surroundings consistently. It's not just them going back and forth to Canada. Um, to me, they'll still win, but it won't be by as much. I have um, the arrows winning by five. More than eight, so yeah, whatever. Good. I like it so much better when we all pick the same team. Yeah. Uh, so this one's hard, and I know I'm probably I'm going to get accused of being not a Seattle person this year. I just know it. Uh, I just a lot of people are gone that like I know really well. I mean, a lot of people are on the team that I love, like Luscious Brad Tucker. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, Ross Neal, really good guy. Really talked to him this year already. Really good. Matt Turner is back. You know, I'm faster than Matt Turner in a marathon. I will, (laughs) I will, I will cherish that knowledge for the rest of my life. And so at some point when COVID isn't a thing, Matt Turner and I will run new, run the new marathon together because apparently I am now bound by the fact that I talk shit uh, to Matt Turner <laughs> about that. And he's like, well, next we're going to run New York. And then obviously uh, 2020 happened. There's a Casa Gridelli when you're in town. 2020 happened and we couldn't run New York. So um, yeah, it's just going to be tough because I mean, I, I watched the, I watched the Houston, Against, um, uh, against uh, both Nola in the courtesy of Grant Cole via the iPhone, um, and uh, against the Gilgronies, and it's. I think they're going to struggle. I, I really think Houston is going to struggle. I think um, if Seattle gets the scrum right, the problem with the the thing that is going to be crazy is. Like as as much as people think is different, uh, Houston still has some nasty front rowers. Like Charlie Connolly, like don't I don't want to be in a phone booth with him. Like I will <laughs> die. Like he's a nat, he's a hard man. Um, like they still yeah, still got a hard type five, and then they've got this uh, Dicky Dicky. Tiki, I, I don't know the name. It's so bad. He's a this this big Fijian center. He's like 260 pounds, and he runs like a four six, like a four five forty. I, I yeah. Uh, Didn't Houston also bring in one of the, uh, the front row from Georgia? Yeah, they did. So I, I don't know what this is gonna be like. Um, I want to say Houston by two. Want say Houston by two. I uh, like it. I think I do think Houston is going to be a little better this year than they've managed to achieve in previous years, though they always seem to have some brimming optimism coming into every year and then never seems to pan out. Um, I also, you know, what was Seattle last year before COVID struck one and four, something like that? I mean, they always they are, start slow, man. Huh? Well, that's that's very slow. That's what they uh, say. That's what they say. Yeah. So I mean, I I I do think this is kind of a, a match of two middling teams, and it is in Houston, but um, I'm still going to rely, I guess, on on the 
the psychological culture of Seattle just dominating Houston for the first. The last time didn't isn't the last time they played in Houston was that was like the the soft opening of Aviva when the oh the they, had, they, had, was, uh, they had to go yeah, to no scrum or like yeah they had to go to uncontested scrums because the turf was just oh it was just mud. I do think like winning and losing is a habit and and. I think right now Houston has a habit of losing to Seattle, so I'm I'm gonna pick the Sea Wolves. Um, I'll say by five. All right. You know this this is my crazy upset pick of the week. Um, I'll be writing these down, Josh, for your column. Corey, better get this up soon because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is my crazy upset pick of the week. This is one I was like, I don't know. So I'm just gonna pick. I actually have Houston winning by seven. Nice. All right. <sighs> and then um, finally, uh, the I guess they're at the same time. Is uh, Utah travels to Austin, um, and this is where I feel like I feel torn with every team because I know a lot of players and I know a lot of coaches and I talk to them all the time. And I know I'm a critic, and they know I'm a critic, and I just gotta make us. I just gotta do what I do what I do. But man, like, I really love what Utah has done. Uh, they 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 played very well against Atlanta in that preseason game that was on KSL app. Um, Danny Janoskali, uh, their draft pick at fly half over Hagen Schultz was very interesting to see. He played very well. He looked like he put on 20 pounds because I, I had a chance. I interviewed him for MLR before the draft, and he was like he's a tall kid, like he's 6'2, very slight. Um, but he, he did not look slight at all. He looked like he had basically been eating ribeyes for the last six months. Like, and you know, he maybe you don't want your 10 hitting the one channel uh in defense, but he likes to get dirty. Um, so I don't know. And then I really liked what I've seen from the Gilgronies in the three preseason sort of attempts that they've had. Uh, probably Gilgronies by five. I think the, I think there's going to be humidity because uh, my, my, I guess my in-laws should probably, I mean, they basically are there. They live in Austin. Maybe, I wonder if uh, they he does have inside information. Look at that. I wonder if they bought it's gonna be humid, man. Like, oh, it's like this is where like weather matters and it's dry mountain air up here and uh oh well not up here because we're we're down at like thousand feet, but like forty five hundred feet for uh Utah. for uh, Utah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I just like the way the Gilgronies are playing. I know I tweeted out on our official account that the Gilgronies are going to be good. I actually, I really do believe that. I think at, they're looking, they're going to win games and they're going to score points. Does that mean that they are going to the playoffs? No idea. Maybe not, but they won't be last. Yeah, I would say it's had a. I would Maybe I would most. book this I would book this prop bet if I could. They will finish no no lower than fourth in the West. No lower than fourth. Oh, but I was I I have never bet money on MLR. Um and I officially cannot. So um yeah, just just pointing that out. Um so don't mess with me. So JK, 
world. We're not taking that prop bet. Uh, <laughs> JK uh, on that. I, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I jumped into question that statement on Twitter a little bit. Uh, Austin, I think, has had the most up and down kind of MLR history. You know, the first year they were fringe playoff team. You know, they obviously had ownership problems, local community problems. They've uh, what are their seventh name now? They were the first Gill. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. I, I do feel like the energy is finally pointing up again uh, after season one. And, uh, you know, Utah to me is more of a mystery. Obviously, they, they've changed their entire coaching staff twice. Or, you know, they've gone through two sets of head coaches since last year, I think. Um, so, I mean, I think they're hard to judge. They're, they're always quiet in the offseason, too. You don't see a ton of what's going on out there. Um so I, don't know, I, I I think it's gonna be I think it's a tough one to pick I think but I, I'm gonna take Austin as well I'm gonna say Austin by uh, Austin by six. Yeah. What, um, Aaron, what was um, what's Danny's last name? I apologize. I told him mispronounced. Janoskali. Janoskali. G i a n n a s c o l i. We sure he wasn't eating those meat pies from that wagon? <laughs> <laughs> But in all seriousness, I did I did like how he played during their scrimmage against ATL. Um, I did feel that um, Utah did fall off a little bit, and I really like what I saw from Austin. Um, I actually have Austin way big. I have them winning by twelve. Um, I just feel like they have a lot in them. I feel like they're going to surprise some people this year, and they're actually the team I'm going to root for this year. All right, well, like wasn't Hagen Schulte? leading the league in scoring last year when things went, you know, shut down. I mean, it's hard to imagine he's going to lose. He was, dude, he was good. And this yeah. is where I'm like, wow, Janoska Lee's really good in the one game I saw. One game I saw. I was like, damn, wait, they're going to have two good flyouts now? I mean, like, well, they're going like, to – Utah's I, – I just – one of the things I think Pete Steinberg said in his chat with Sean Pittman is like, just do us a favor. Be consistent. Because the one problem with Utah is that they have never been consistent. They can freaking run a team off the freaking they in their history, in the last three years, in the last two and a half years, I guess. Um, they have run teams off the field. And they've gotten crushed. They've lost games at the death. They've won games at the death. Ties but they the haven't time. consistently won and they haven't consistently lost. Yeah, but I, um, I'd be shocked if Hagen Schultz. But I would say they Michigan. won their last game with a uh, friend of the show, John Wayne Cullen, call, telling calling it like it is as captain in Seattle, and said, "Nah, we're going for the corner." And then they played another eight minutes of rugby after regulation, and they ripped the heart out of the Seawolves. I'm still calling that the best game in Major League history. Oh my! It was so good, so good. Oh, like if if you want to just perfect anticlimactic stuff with television and drama, and you just see you just you just scroll back to when the penalty is called, and you see Cullen go, "We're not going for sticks. Kick it to the corner. <laughs> Done." So, so, so I, I guess I have to ask them because both of them are so good. Do they go the route of putting one of them at twelve? 
Plus fifteen. Uh, I, I, I can see Schulte playing fullback. Well, I, they have Tao. They have Tao, and he's healthy. Tao this year, but there's no way they're not having his boot. I, I just I can't see Schulte not be kicking sticks for Utah. He was so good, and he might have been the best, you know, penalty kicker in in the league last year. Probably find I, I, I will give Utah this. They've had some pretty good fly halves in their time. Um, they had Josh Reeves first season. Tim O'Malley? Tim O'Malley, Kurt yeah. Marath. Kurt Marath, yeah. yeah. Kurt Marath, yeah. They've never st- struggled for a fly half, so. All right. <sighs> um, hey, that, that wraps it up. We're, I, I want to try and keep these under 90 minutes for this year. Um, please hold me to that. Um, I know that in the past we've had some um, had some belongings, um, and I know that doesn't help us because we act, the long ones, we, we sound awful, and uh, the tight ones, we usually sound pretty good. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank Josh Fredland um, and Craig Rodelli. We will either be doing this on Mondays or Wednesdays. I haven't figured that out because work has been crazy this week. So um, we will be in your feed every week. We will be live on Facebook every week and also on YouTube, but not live. So, yeah. Um, I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at the Shermer on Twitter. Craig Rodelli at new tag MM fly half. I'm Josh Fredland. You can find me as Aaron calls at Lead Speak, Josh Fred. Uh, my pre- hopefully my preview article is out on Friday, so look, be looking out for that. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.